and Shabbat Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Virtual House Church. Sorry we got off to a little bit of a delay here, but we're ready to rock and roll and get started. So let's uh, go ahead and go over to the website, virtualhousechurch.com. If you're new here, virtualhousechurch.com is our website. Let me switch something here. There we go. That's a little better. Uh, and this website is under construction in the process of being changed over to a new design with new functionality. And so I've got all these links right here are now going to the new site. So if you click on any of them, it takes you to the new site. So we'll just go ahead and do that. Also, uh, these right here, if you're on a mobile device, you can click on this one. It's a, a lot more responsive uh, layout. And if you're on a PC, you could click on this picture right here. Uh, or a Mac or whatever computer, let's say. Uh, so let's go over to the new website. Who we are is just about Sheila and I. Uh, the store, VHC store, uh, has calendars. So if you want to get on board with the Hebrew calendar, here's one that Kevin and Amanda put together for us. And uh, you click on that, it's a free PDF. If you'd like the printed copy and you live in the United States, click on a domestic button. International, click on that one. This is the other calendar Juan Carlos put together for us. Same thing, click on that, free PDF. You can view and or download. The workbooks, you get them typically quicker through Amazon and uh, uh, cheaper through us. Uh, we filled all the orders except for, I think there was one international order that uh, was not able to go out this week. Uh, other than that, all other orders have gone out, so uh, if you haven't got them yet, be patient. They are in the mail. If you'd like to get them instantaneously, there's a free PDF, not free, but there's a PDF version of them right there. Uh, you can get for, I think, like $4 a piece or something like that, $20 total. And the... Uh, Ephraim Awakening DVD-ROM has all the resources you see here. So uh, some those are some resources for you to check out on the VHC store. Our statement of faith is, yeah, well, it's what we believe. Starting off with a video by Petra uh, called Creed. This is my creed. Uh, love that song. Uh, Coming Out of Babylon is a link that is really for new people, uh, or, or anybody really, but especially for new people who want to understand what does it mean to come out of Babylon, what, what's that all about, and uh, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath and the feasts and things of that nature. Tons of videos and other resources for you here to check out in that regard. So that's on the Coming Out of Babylon. Torah Fellowship is a page that takes a few seconds actually to load. It has a uh, like a plug-in that... 119 Ministries developed a fellowship finder. These are people all over the world who are doing what we're doing here today. And uh, so wherever you are in the world, let's see, we'll go to South Africa this time and click on this one right here. Leona, that's somebody you can reach out to if you live in the vicinity of that dot right there. And so that this can be a really good resource, uh, especially whenever we get out of lockdown. <laughs> uh, right now, obviously, a lot of people aren't doing, you know, one-on-one -on -one fellowship or group fellowship and stuff like that as much as they used to. Hopefully that will end soon. But this can be a good resource for you uh, to connect with others, hopefully. What about Paul? What do we do about Paul? Well, there's a whole bunch of resources right here, blogs to, to commonly ask questions, usually related to something that Paul said or did. Uh, Foolish Galatians, if you're hung up on the Galatians issue, click on that. And um, this page is just another page dedicated to the Hebrew calendars, but you'll notice that the right side here populated with some new things like Bible study online uh, Bible study resources. You can check out these are ones that I use quite frequently. 
And if you'd like to support us, we certainly appreciate that. We can't do it without your support. And for those of you who have supported us, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I don't say it often enough. I apologize for that, but it is certainly greatly appreciated. We could not do what we do without your support. And other Torah ministries here that, uh, that we love, that's uh, Torah, ministry, uh, Torah Family right here by Steve Mutria, New to Torah by Zach Bauer, 119 Ministries, Unlearn with Lex Meyer and Jim Staley teachings right there. So really good resources for you to check out in that regard. This week's study, every week I redo this page to get ready for today. And um, it has the Parsha in 60 seconds. Parsha is the Hebrew word for study. Distills the Torah portion, anyway, down to 60 seconds. We'll play that in a minute. And the live stream, which is this right here, we are doing right now. Once we are done, it will be archived here. And for the studies of this week, you could click on this big blue button right here, and that will open up this page right here. Again, if you're viewing on a mobile device, you can click on that for a more responsive version of it. And it has these scriptures right here for the Torah portions, the prophets, the New Testament, and this cool audio player right here. If you don't want to read all that, you could just click on that. Sarah lived 127 years. And listen to somebody read it for you. So let's go ahead and play the Parsha in 60 seconds, and we'll get started here. Shalom, and welcome to Parsha in 60 seconds. Today's portion is from Genesis 23-1, It is called Haye Sarah, which means life of Sarah. At 127 years, Sarah died in Hebron. Abraham instructed his senior servant to put his hand under Abraham's thigh and swear by God that he would not take a wife for Isaac from the Canaanites, but would go to the land of Abraham's birth to get Isaac a wife. The servant obeyed. He prayed that the maiden whom he asked to draw water for him, and who replied by offering also to water his camels, might be the one whom God had decreed for Isaac. As he finished, Rebekah came out with a jar on her shoulder. Boom! After an evening of celebrating, the servant was eager to go, but Rebekah's parents were hesitant. The servant insisted that they must return to Abraham. Rebekah had the final say and went with the servant. As they were approaching, Rebekah and Isaac saw each other, and it was love at first sight. They were married that evening. Abraham took another wife. Isaac received all the inheritance. Abraham lived 175 years and died. Isaac and Ishmael buried him with Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed Isaac. Ishmael had 12 sons who became chieftains of 12 tribes. Ishmael lived 137 years and then died. And that is Hayesarah in 60 seconds. <clears throat> All right, that's the Torah portion. In 60 seconds below that, you'll have uh, the study that we did in 2012, 2013, 2016. And in 2017, we started in, in fairly often in 2017, actually. There were different people who uh, subbed for me. I was quite busy that year and doing a lot of traveling and, and other things. And so in this case, it was uh, the guys from My House Ministries did a really good job. If you haven't checked that out, you should should uh, take the time to do so. It was really good. Again, this is this week's study. This is, um, I'm pretty sure these are the ones done by uh, JP and Charlie. And uh, Your Living Waters, definitely recommend you click on these, view and download them, and uh, take the time to study what Ardell has to say from yourlivingwaters.com. Always good commentary there. Simple questions to get you started, uh, thinking on your own, like what did this mean to me, as well as if you have a like a home Bible fellowship or something like that. These are really good conversation starters right here. These two chapters right here are the parallel version in the book of Joshua. So if you want to go deeper into uh, more detail about what happened there, you could click on those. Of course, other resources uh, that we have that you could check out that go along with uh, some of the content here. And let's see... Yeah, some other stuff from previous year's study. Oh, yeah, this right here, uh, when I was 
wondering if Sheila was the one for me, uh, just like uh, the story we're hearing about uh, Isaac and Rebecca. Uh, I was praying, and uh, Sheila and I had gone out for uh, a walk, and on our way back to the office that we were working together at the same place, uh, she went in to get to, uh, some coffee in a store, and I was as she was walking in, I was like, Father, is she the one you got for me? And I kid you not, I swear this is the absolute truth, the only cloud in the sky was in the perfect shape of a heart. It was like almost like a cartoon right over the door, right right over the building. Like I looked at the door, and then I looked up, and there was a heart like in the sky. And by the time we got back to the office, it had uh, stretched out and elongated into this shape right here. And she hadn't seen it yet at that point. And uh, I said, hey, check that out. It looks like an angel <laughs> right there. But uh, prior to that, before this picture was taken, it looked like a perfect heart. So... Yeah, there we go. All right, <laughs> that's my story, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started here. Let me switch over to Juan Carlos, who will be joining me today. Juan, how you doing, man? Hey, ciao, ciao, and Rob. Shabbat. Doing good. Yeah. Doing good. <laughs> awesome. It's nice to be in the virtual house again. Yeah, Shabbat Shalom. Uh, I don't know. I don't think the other guys are joining us. Um, I haven't heard anything from Kevin lately. I'm gonna have to just give him a call and see what's going on, but. Um, Jake said he was having some sort of microphone problem, so uh, he said, sorry guys, I won't be able to join you today. So it's just the two of us, but uh, in the past we've always had really good conversation, and frankly, I'm going to turn most of it over to you, man. Uh, I I went through uh, the teachings that we did from previous years, and I did a whole lot of talking in the previous years, so uh, I don't know what I'm going to say that I haven't already said in, in previous years, so love to bring some fresh perspective to the table and uh, see what you have to say about this week's uh, Torah portion and prophets and New Testament. So you have the floor. Thank you. So let's see what the, 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 the Ruach brings today, Rob. You know, <laughs> as you always say as well, Yeah. Uh, we're just uh, servants uh, and repeating what we are learning from the from our father. So, so let's see. You know, I think uh, <clears throat> this portion is, is very interesting because we got to the to the final the days and the final final days of uh, of the life of Abraham. Mm. And uh, you know, the, the the whole story of Abraham is so important for us uh, as believers in Yahushua that uh, we need to we need to take a look in every aspect of uh, what is uh, what Abraham went through in order to understand and reflect our lives and uh, uh, in, in that story. Uh, and you know, even to what I'm going to share today, this is also important on how, how Abraham conducted his life and some treasures that we see in the, in the portion. You know, last week I was uh, was the, not able to join the virtual house, uh, so I was sharing part of the insight that I was the, uh, receiving as part of the study of the last week portion. I was sharing this on my channel. And one of the points that I was mentioning to Rob is that, uh, you know, the, Abraham went through so many difficulties throughout his life that uh, even we discussed in previous virtual house uh, ago as well, that uh, he, he needed to wait for 25 years almost mm -hmm. in order to get to the to the promise of, of Yitzhak as a son. Uh, and, you know, during that period of time, uh, there was a lot of uh, difficulties in his life and he stood uh, firm on the way. He believed in Yahuwah. He was righteous in the eyes of the Yahuwah, even though that he went through many difficulties. And one of the things I was sharing uh, last week, I think it was uh, exactly that, that uh, we will go through difficulties. Sometimes we will go through 
some uh, difficult uh, decisions, like the one to, the, he, he needed to take with Hagar when he sent away Hagar and Ishmael from his house. And it was evil in his eyes, but at the end was the purpose of Yahuwah. So, you know, we have been talking about this in, in, in the past, that sometimes uh, we need to make some, some tough decisions, difficult decisions. Uh, and the, to our own understanding, looks uh, somehow the, something wrong. But uh, we are not the one the, the one who sees the big picture. Yahuwah Elohim is the one who sees the big picture. So, so it doesn't matter if it's good or bad in our eyes. What it matters is if it's good in the eyes of Yahuwah. So, you know, in this, in this portion, you know, doing a, a, a recap or wrap up of what was the life of Abraham, we see that, you know, he was very advanced in years. And uh, he didn't know what to do with his son, with his son, because he was living as a foreigner in the land. Uh, he received this uh, this uh, amazing promise from Yahuwah that he he said is going to inherit that land that he was inhabiting, but he was the he wasn't the owner of the land. He was just a foreigner, and you know he he knew that his time was coming, and he didn't know what uh, was going on with uh, with his uh, with his son, his only son. And uh, we see the whole story about Sarah that they died with the uh, 127 years, and, uh, and 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 the whole story with uh, with uh, Abraham discussing with the uh, with the Hittites, the son of Heth, uh, in order to buy the burial site for for his uh, death for Sarah and for his family in the in the future, and uh, and, and this is uh, really interesting. I, I will I will go back to this uh, to this story in a moment. Uh, but first, I want to refer to what I was saying about uh, Yitzhak. You know the whole story about uh, uh, Abraham and Yitzhak. Abraham telling the servant to go and, and look for a for a wife for his uh, son from his relative is so so interesting and to me. And uh, there are a few treasures that I, that I want to want to share. Uh, the first one um, is that basically what we see in the chapter twenty four verse 5 and 7 is the full statement and the and, and the commitment the commitment and the love of Abraham towards Yahuwah he believed in Yahuwah so much that even in his last days he instructed his servant not to take the daughters of the land and not even to bring his son back to his relative naturally I want to, to read it to you this is in the verse 5 to 7 on the chapter 24 and it says the following and the servant said to him what if the woman refuses to follow me to this land do I then take your son back to the land from which you came and Abraham said to him beware lest you take my son back there Yahuwah Elohim of the heavens who took me from my father's house and from the land of my relatives and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your seed I give this land he sends his messenger before you, and you should take a wife for my son from there. So we go back to a few few portions ago, and actually this is exactly what Abraham said in this in this part. He remembered that the promise of Yahuwah somehow was connected to uh, his decision and the instruction to go out from his house, from his father's house, and from his relative. And, and he knew that this instruction was so important also for his descendant, not to go back. And that was the, the instruction for the servant from Abraham to his servant, not to take his son back to his relative. Because if he was going to do that, 
basically who was broken the instruction of uh, breaking the instruction from Yahuwah. And, and what, what, uh, what for me was so fascinating and, and, and interesting in this, just to reflect our own lives on this story, is that uh, we have several passages in the, in the scripture that once we are in the way, we cannot go back. I think it was last week that uh, you and Jake was, uh, were chatting the rough in the, in the last week portion about the story of uh, Sodom and, and Gomorrah. And we see what, what happened with the wife of Lot, that uh, she had something, her heart wasn't full, fully committed to Yahuwah. And, and most probably, you know, in the way that I understand the story is that uh, in her heart, there was so, uh, so high connection with the city, with the life of the system that the, she was living on the city, that she decided to look back. And we know what happened when she, she looked back. And, and actually, this is a parallel, an, an interesting parallel with what I'm, what I'm sharing today, is that as soon as we are committed to follow the way, to follow Mashiach, to follow the way of righteousness and the way of Yahuwah, the narrow path, we can no look back. We can no go back. They, we have the story of the of the wife of Lot, and you know who who mentioned this in in, in such a, an interesting way is Peter in his second letter. If we go to Second Peter, Kefabet in Hebrew, uh, chapter two, verse twenty to twenty-two, it says the following: For the after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Master and Savior Yahushua HaMashiach, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the first, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the set-apart command, deliver unto them. For them the proverb has proved true, a dog returns to his own vomit. And a washed soul returned to her rolling in the mud. So, so the scripture is so so clear that we see, you know, in this small portion, in this small part of the portion of this week, the importance of not going back. And in this case, Abraham instructing his family, instructing his servant, instructing his son, not to go back, is to go straight forward in the way of Yahuwah, looking to the to the to the promise, looking to the inheritance. And you know, we have a tremendous uh, promise. It's actually, we are children of Abraham through Yahushua as well. So we have the promise that we are going to inherit the land. We have been discussing multiple times about the, about the second great exodus that is coming as part of the establishment of the kingdom of Yahuwah, that we are looking forward for the, that moment in time that uh, is our belief that this is going to happen very soon. So we need to look for that inheritance. That needs to be our north. Not to is to move forward, not to go back. And uh, actually, we, we see exactly the same thing in the words of our the Mashiach, Yahushua. And this is in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 62. And, and you know, this, uh, this small part is so, is so important because, uh, you know, today we are, we are the, surrounded with so many difficulties. That uh, and the system of the system, our way of life today is so so complicated sometimes, and the system make it very complicated that we need to remind ourselves day by day 
And that's why that's why it's called away. That's why away is 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 a, is a place where we walk, and we're walking every day until the day is perfect. You know, and we know that the day is going to be perfect when the Yahushua is coming back and the, the kingdom is established. So, so, so we need to remind ourselves, especially in the days that we are living today, despite all the difficulties we are living, that we need to stay strong. We need to stay in the way of Yahuwah. We need to look forward and not look back. And this is exactly what Yahushua, Yahushua said. And I want to read it entirely because what he's saying here is so, so important. From the verse uh, 57, Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through the 62. And it says, And it came to be, as they yearned on the way, that someone said to him, Master, I shall follow you wherever you go. And Yahushua said to him, The foxes have holes and, and the birds of the heaven nests, but the son of Adam has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Master, let me first go and bury my father. And Yahushua said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and announce the reign of Elohim. And another also said, Master, I shall follow you, but let me first say goodbye to those in the house. What was the answer of Yahushua? This is written in the, in the verse 62. It says, But Yahushua said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the reign of Elohim. And this, this, this statement of our Mashiach is so powerful that it's exactly what we see reflected in this small part of this portion. That as soon as we have a commitment with Yahuwah and we receive a word from Yahuwah and we receive a promise of Yahuwah, we need to look forward. We cannot take the, the hand, put our hand in the plow in order to start working in the way in the kingdom of Yahuwah and look back. Because if we look back, it's going to happen exactly what happened with the, with the wife of Lot. You know, we are not going to be fit in the words of Yahushua for the reign of Elohim. And you know, our purpose is to inherit the promise of Yahuwah. And the promise is the eternal life and the kingdom of a uh, kingdom of the of the heaven, the kingdom of Elohim. So, so this is more part. It was so, so fascinated, Rob. I don't know. You want to make a, 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 some comment here before continue? Sorry, my uh, nope. my microphone was muted. I'm sitting here, blah blah blah. And it's like not <laughs> not working. Uh, no, not really, man. I, I don't really have any. Uh, commentary i'm just kind of sitting back and listening and following along with what you're saying um i was you know sure. briefly looking at the uh half torah and the um new testament portions trying to see you know i didn't actually study those this week i was trying to see well, what, what's the what's the story with those and with the half torah one it appears to be dealing with the the uh death of or soon coming death of king david uh, he's he's on his deathbed there, and there's this issue of uh, who's going to be king after he's gone, you know. Um, and so it's that story about, you know, calling Bathsheba and, and Nathan and others together to say, hey, make sure Solomon gets the throne after I'm done when well, one of the other guys wanted it, uh, Adonijah, the son of Hagith. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was looking at the New Testament portions too, so, I mean, it, it seems like they had a common theme of somebody dying, you know, obviously, because this is what what kind of happens here is Sarah dies and Abraham dies in the Torah portion. But I was looking for any uh, deeper connection than that. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? Did, did you get that far in the, in the study at all? 
No, not really. Actually, I didn't connect uh, that passage, uh, to, to be honest. And, uh, you know, th that could be interesting hmm. because uh, it, it's, part, it's part of what I was uh, going to share as well. It's part of the, vow, the vows and the oath, you know, hmm. when you, you vow something to somebody. The, the, the scripture is telling us that this is something that we need to fulfill and we need to we need to deliver. Mm. So so it could be that maybe it, it's connected to to somehow what happened with the story of uh, David and Bethsheba. But uh, I didn't I didn't took a look uh, in details on that. Yeah. Did you find something? Rob? No, well, no. Like I said, I was just I was kind of just skimming. I was listening to you and skimming at the same time, going, you know, is there something okay. something more? Because you know, it'd be really easy to me for me to launch into a whole dialogue about Ephron of the Hittites and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, eh, I, already, I already done that several times before. Uh, don't don't sure. really want to repeat all that in, in this broadcast. Um, Let's continue with the rest. Maybe you can jump anywhere with Hittites because I'm gonna gonna touch something what happened in the chapter 23. All right, yeah, go for it. Okay, so so one one thing you know the some this is something that I I, I saw many years ago. It's something small but important. You know uh, what is written in the chapter 24 as part of this uh, the whole dialogue between Abraham and the servant, and I'm gonna read it. It's in the verse one and the from the one to the three in the chapter 24 and it says and abraham was old advancing years and yahuwah was uh, had blessed abraham in every way and abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had please put your hand under the tie so that i may you swear by yahuwah the elohim of the heavens and the elohim of the, the earth that you do not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the canaanites among whom i dwelt uh, so, so there are two things that here I wanted to share. The, the first one that is a, a small thing, but really important, is about the whole uh, process of uh, making this uh, this promise and this vow. It was under the tie of Abraham, and, and and you know when we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 19, we see the same uh, the same wording, and uh, there was uh, you know in my my, my first uh, days of uh, of this walk. Was really difficult to to understand uh, what uh, what he was referring to, and this is in the in the chapter uh, 19, verse 16 of Revelation. And it says, and on his robe, and talking, this is talking about the uh, Mashiach and his second coming. And on his robe, and on his and on his tie, he has a name written, Sovereign of Sovereigns and Master of Masters. So, so what is this tie uh, talking about? We can think it's part of the leg. And you know, but how come Mashiach is going to have a, a tattoo in his leg that we know that tattoo is something forbidden in the scripture? So, and we see the same thing happening here on the on the story of Abraham. It's very difficult to 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 put our the picture on our mind that the servant was touching the leg of Abraham, and we see a lot of instructions in the in the scripture about the, the nakedness of the people that we need to we need to we need to take care of this commandment for sure. So, so imagine that the servant was touching the leg of Abraham in order to to, to swear that he is not taking the, the the daughter of the land for his son. It's, it's difficult to understand. But what I came to to understand this, and I don't know if everybody know knows this, is that the tie is referring to a banner, it's a flag. So basically, it's the banner of Abraham, and we see some scripture also in, in Torah that about the banner of the children of Israel, they had a banner for each one of the of the, of the tribes. So it's basically it's talking about the, the flag. So in this case, it was the servant of uh, Abraham taking the, the banner, the flag of Abraham, swearing uh, in, 
at the moment he was taking the flag. And we see the connection with Yahushua. In his second coming, he's coming with his flag in order to establish the kingdom of Yahuwah here on earth. So, so nothing talking about legs, uh, about the tie, that part of the uh, part of body is talking about the banner, the flag uh, uh, that is representing Mashiach in this case, or was representing Abraham. Uh, so so this is so a, yeah, a, sm a small I, small not, insight on this. Yeah, where where are you getting that from? Like I've never, I mean, everything I'm looking at says thigh. So where where are you getting that it's a flag? Yeah, you know, I I don't remember exactly when I when I read this. It was many years ago, the Rob. But I remember that there is some some passages in the scripture talking about the banner of the of the people of the tribe, and that was so so interesting. And you know, for me, it resonated very much because you know when we talk about uh, especially in, in the book of Revelation uh, that Mashiach having uh, uh, the name written in the tie in the leg is is very somehow disturbing when we when we read it like that. I I need to take a look in the study and I will I will check it. But uh, you know. Uh, let me see if I can so, find something well, quick yeah, here in the I'm, sorry. Yeah, I'm looking up uh hang on just a second here. Uh actually I'm let's go to, I'm, I'm on to the, Numbers chapter two, verse two. Well, I'm in the I'm in the Greek of Revelation nineteen sixteen first, uh and let's see, Thai Miron thirty three thirty eight. Yeah, it says Thai. Thai. Yes. Actually, actually, you know, when I am using the Fine. the the scripture from the Institute of Scripture Research, and, and and I think they have something written there. Let me look for it in this part of the the commentary. And it seems that the the difference in Hebrew between tie the leg and the banner is just a letter, and it's a letter D with a letter. So you're talking Hebrew versus Greek? 34. Yeah. 14. Hang on a second. 24. So, that, so that's uh, in, in the Genesis 24, 2. Genesis 24, 2. Actually, I have it here. Let me let me read to you what's the explanation that is uh, that they're mentioning here. It says, here we have a strong indication of Revelation originally being written in Hebrew talking about the Revelation chapter 19. If this word was written in Hebrew, talking about the tie, it would have been regal. It's possible, though, that the copiers of Revelation could have overlooked the small extension of the Dalet, which could have may, made it a resh. You know, the, 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 the letter Dalet and the letter resh in Hebrew are quite similar. There is a small difference. If the word was degel, it would have mean banner, which makes much more sense than tie. Because of the latter case, two rules are broken. And it's talking about the rules of uh, having a tattoo in body and so on. And, uh, and you know, actually, if I take a look in the book of uh, Numbers, chapter 2, verse 2, Numbers and it two. says, the children of Israel are to come, each one by his own banner, beside the signs of his father's house. Let them come around the tent of appointment at a distance. So, so it's exactly what I was uh, talking about. That each one of the tribe has a banner. I was representing the house of the father. Uh, beside the uh, standard, uh, Diglo. Yes. Diglo. Standard banner, Diglo. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to take more to convince me on that one. <laughs> 
I'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. But good, you know, maybe we need to take a look in the word uh, tie just to see the difference between the letters. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I, was, also, I was trying to remember also uh, what um, Joshua had to say in that regard. I wasn't focused on that. I was, I was looking uh, for other things when I was reading those passages. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was the resource you were just quoting? It says the explanatory notes is the commentary on the on the scripture mm. version is the Institute of Scripture Research. Mm. Okay. Two thousand nine. You know, at the at the end of the in the commentary notes of the of the version, actually here, let me show you in this on the screen. There's a an explanatory notes. And it's talking about the this exactly what I read. It's about the the, the difference between the letter Dalet and Resh mm. in the word Regel in Hebrew and the word Degel. One is meaning the banner and the other one is meaning the, the tie, the leg. I, I guess for me, I, it would be like uh, a, a matter of comparing notes with other ancient Hebrew commentary. In other words, did... Yeah. Did the Midrash, did the uh, Joshua, did Jubilees, or did any of these other texts understand it? How did they understand it? You know, that's basically what I would want to know. Uh, I've never done a study on it, so it would be worth looking into. That's a good point, you know. Maybe this is a good uh, option to go and dig uh, deeper on this understanding. But, you know, just to take a look in the, in the Revelation chapter 19, it makes a good case in uh, that uh, to understand that this is a banner, it's a flag a standard mm. that is coming to, in the in the hand of Yahushua. But it's uh, good to, to to go deeper. The, the second point I wanted to, to share in the, exactly in the same thing, uh, Rob, is about the importance of the oath, you know, the, the, to swear something. Mm. And we see in this entire passage that basically Abraham is making the servant swear uh, by Yahuwah. Uh, not to take a, a wife for his son from the daughter of a, of Canaan. Uh, and actually, you know, since the servant was so so afraid of this uh, oath, there was this entire dialogue. What happened if the the, the woman doesn't want to come here? And uh, there was a relief for the servant in the verse eight, and it says, "And if the woman refused to follow you, then you shall be released from this oath." Only do not take my son back there. And, and you know, just connect to the previous, uh, previous, the first point that I mentioned. It's so repetitive what Abraham was saying that no, don't take him back, don't take him back. Just make sure that you are taking away from the from the relative. And uh, only, only that was the condition. If the woman was refusing to follow him, uh, he was uh, released from the oath. And only after that, in the verse nine, is that the servant put his hand under the tithe of Abraham, his master and swore to him concerning this matter. So so, so what, uh, what I wanted to share here is that uh, when we make an oath, and we were talking, I think, a few months ago in this the virtual house I was chatting, that is uh, so, so important. And, and just to share one, uh, one passage in the book of Numbers, chapter 30, verse 2. It says, when a man bows a bow to Yahuwah, or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement. He does not break his word. He does according to all that come out, comes out of his mouth. So 
at the eyes of Yahua is so so critical everything that is going out of our mouth you know if we are saying th- something if we are t- making a commitment a promise we need to fulfill it we need to walk the talk so and we see here the clear example in the in the life of the servant that the the servant was afraid at the beginning to make this oath this uh, to to swear to Abraham about the, all this thing but at the end he did it and we we know the entire story in the in the chapter 24 that the how what happened and you know Yahuwah was him because he made this oath in the name of Yahuwah and then for me the, the important thing and the aspect that we need to take care to in our lives just to to reflect in the in this portion and in this insight is that we need to be careful on the what is going out of our mouth what are the words we're speaking what are the promises we're making because at the eyes of Yahuwah, every every word matter. Everything that we say, it's important, and we need to we need to fulfill what we say. Because this is what is written in the in the book of Numbers, as I was sharing, and uh, and, and you know, connecting to what uh, Shaul was saying, that if we confess with our mouth that Yahushua is our master, you know, we are going to be saved. And, and that's only in that passage uh, we see the importance of everything we say, and then it's totally connected to to the oath. Where we, this is basically an oath, a promise to Yahuwah, Everything that we is going through our 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 words. So, going going moving forward in this in this uh, in this chapter and this story, you know, and and this is uh, this is so amazing in the way that the servant uh, conducted uh, this entire journey. Because uh, we see in the book of uh, Romans, chapter 2, verse 14. Paul is talking many, many interesting things here. And uh, sorry, this is uh, chapter 8, verse 14. He's talking so many interesting things in the book of Romans, in the chapter 8. And he and he mentioned this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the verse 13 and 14. It says, "For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die; but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are uh, as many as are led by the Spirit, by the Ruach of Elohim, these are sons of Elohim." So sometimes you know it's difficult to understand what those passages means. Uh, what it means to be led by the spirit of Elohim, and you know you were uh, touching the, your experience, uh, Rob, uh, at the beginning, and, and and this is a clear example on how Yahuwah is leading us uh, through His ruach, His spirit, uh, through some 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 things that we we don't know, uh, or we don't pay attention somehow through nature, through other people, through specific things that we ask, and it's exactly what happened here. And that's why I'm bringing this over the table about being led by the Ruach, by the Spirit. It's exactly what happened in the story of uh, the servant. You know, he was so afraid um, because, you know, he, he got this instruction by his master, by Abraham, but how he was going to identify the woman, how he was going to know who was the woman for Yishak, for uh, Isaac. So, so what he did, and is exactly the examples that we need to follow in order to be led by the Ruach of Elohim. And this is in the verse 12. And this is so, so important 12, because, 12 you know, of, of what? 
what what verse 12 of what of chapter 24 of the portion okay on genesis it says the following and he said yahuwah elohim of my master abraham please cause her to meet before me this day and show loving commitment to my master abraham see i am standing here by the fountain of water and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your yard to let me drink. And she says, drink and let me water your camels too. Let her be the one whom you have, you have appointed for your servant Yishak. And let me know by this that you have no, shown loving commitment to my master. And we know that if we continue reading the, 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 the rest of the, of the portion, we know that what happened with Rivka, and we know that, that the, everything that the servant was asking Yahuwah, uh, was happening in that moment and he was able to identify the that she was the woman and actually if we jump to the to the verse 50, uh, 26 when the servant acknowledged and realized that uh, uh, what he asked was really happening it says in the verse 26 and the man bowed down his head and worshiped yahuwah and he said Baruch Atah, blessed be Yahuwah Elohim of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving commitment and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, Yahuwah led me to the house of my master's brother. So, so when we when we want to think in practical ways on how to how to be led by the Ruach HaKodesh, we see a clear example here. The servant was praying to Yahuwah and he was uh, asking specific questions. You know, sometimes in our prayers, we are so uh, generic and, and it's happening to all of us, including myself. Sometimes we are so generic in how we ask and how we communicate to our father. Yeah. We need to be specific with him. Yeah, and in this way, we see an, a clear example of uh, the servant being very specific. Please, that this situation will happen. Mm -hmm. And if this situation will happen, I will understand that you are chosen a woman for my master. I and this it. is the way that we need to do it in our lives. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was sorry. Uh, I really like the, the story that you know deals with the servant right there because I pray very much like that. Like, give me a sign that I can't mistake. You know, like often I'll, I'll word it as like, you know, Father, give me a, a when I lay out the fleece, so to speak, when I'm looking for confirmation. Father, give me billboard size signs <laughs> that I just can't miss. You know, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the the movie uh, Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey, but the, he's 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 like, give me a sign, and he's praying. He's like, I need a sign, please give me a sign. And this this truck pulls in front of him, and and it's like a like a pickup truck that or like a bigger truck that has all these signs in the truck like there's like you know stop don't go this way like the whole the whole truck is full of signs and he's like give me a sign just anything give me a sign it's like a whole truck full of signs pulls in front of him <laughs> uh I, that's what i need like i need that kind of uh you know lay the fleece out give me a billboard size sign that i can't mistake you know and the the sign the servant understood was so specific that he's like wow god this is awesome, <laughs> you know. You know, uh, I, I really appreciated that that story there. It's encouraging to me. No, it's good. You know, actually, the, all of us we are going to have an, an specific and special relationship with our. You know, it doesn't doesn't it doesn't mean that the, 
all our communication with him is going to be in the same way. Uh, we need to find a way that we are going to have this uh, channel and this uh, uh, bi-directional communication with him in our own specific experience. But uh, this way, you know, we see an example in the scripture is so is so important because we can put it in practice. Uh, sometimes we, we tend to spiritualize everything we read in the scripture. And even it's not like that, you know, we are, the, he created us as one being, is flesh and Ruach, spirit. And we read this in the first uh, chapter of uh, this book of uh, Genesis, Bereshit. So, so, so we cannot uh, separate what is the spiritual realm with what is the, 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 the world realm, the, the, the physical one. So, so. We, we don't need to spiritualize everything that we read in the scripture. We need to put it in practice in our own experience. You know, actually, even the, 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 the disciples were going to, to the master, to Mashiach, to tell him, teach us to put in practice your, your, your word. So, so, so that needs to be our uh, mind uh, all the time. And as you said, uh, Rob, uh, <laughs> sometimes uh, Yahuwah is, is so funny <laughs> with us because he, he speaks to us in, in, in ways that is, is, is funny sometimes, like the science. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm always uh, attentive of what, the, what I see in the science in the, on the way or people talking. I, I shared a few experiences in the past here in virtual house that, that I, I received some messages of other people talking between them. So, so we need to be very attentive because Yahuwah will bring a word in the in the more funny way or in the more strange way that we are not expecting. Yeah, yeah, amen. Uh, did yeah. you look into um, at all the issue of Keturah? No. What was the issue of Keturah, if you can well, share? Well, um, yeah, let me switch over. Um, I've always been intrigued by Keturah. There's there's quite a controversy, a lot more than I thought there was actually. I uh, prior to uh, actually it was as a result of listening to the 2017 broadcast with the the guys from uh, My House Ministries that I forget if it was Zach I forget who it was somebody threw out a little tidbit I had never heard before so it prompted me to to look into it because uh, um, let me pull up uh, the Joshua account um, Joshua. Uh, tells you point blank um uh, yeah chapter joshua 25 tells you keturah was from the land of canaan and uh we see later that that's in joshua 25 1 and joshua 25 5 also says keturah the canaanitish woman which like practically made my head explode i'm like what (laughs) Uh, yeah, because you know, yeah, we just see you know right away earlier that he says you know, make sure you don't. I, I don't want Isaac marrying a Canaanite, right? And then mm-hmm. he turns around and marries a Canaanite. <laughs> I'm going, what? Um, and you know, I've always been kind of content to just like be dumbfounded by that. I guess like I don't understand, but I mean that's what it says. So uh, I just got to go with it, I guess. But I, I was not aware that, in, in fact, if, even if you Google it, uh, if you Google Keturah Canaanite, you'll see various websites talking about, you know, other sources saying that she was a Canaanite, uh, alleged she was a Canaanite, Canaanite. Uh, so, you mm. know, apparently, um, you know, Midrash and various other texts 
alleged that she was a Canaanite. Uh, and but Interesting. If she, yeah, but if you look into, uh, let me see, Ellicott's commentary for English readers, uh, it talks about uh, Jewish commentators cut the knot by identifying Keturah with Hagar, that, that I guess it was another name for Hagar, um, who in the meanwhile had, as they say, set an example of matronry virtue in the manner in which she had devoted herself to the bringing up of Ishmael. But in Genesis 25:6, there is an evident allusion to both Hagar and Keturah in the mention of Abraham's concubines in the plural, so that she was apparently a concubine. Uh, the children of Keturah are distinguished from Hagar's one son, Ishmael. Um, so Ellicott makes a, a, a distinction, but I was uh, curious that, you know, he was saying that so, some commentators, Jewish commentators, and I, I, I had not read any of those comments, uh, so I'm, I'm not aware of what he's talking about here, but apparently that's what uh, the guys from My House Ministry were talking about, that some apparently identified Keturah with Hagar. Uh, Ellicott's saying, well, no, there's, there's a distinction being made between the two. So I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a bit more cut and dry just because of the, you know, point blank nature of what Joshua said, but was curious if you had any insight or understanding of the identity of Keturah. No, not really. Actually, you know, the I have read the, the book of uh, Yasher, but I didn't didn't get to that to the point. And it's really interesting because, you know, the, maybe that was uh, one of the reasons that uh, Abraham decided to to send away all his older sons. <laughs> a way of it is back. Uh, well, yeah, so, because you know, you know, it happened exactly the same with Ishmael because uh, Hagar was uh, from Israel and from Egypt. Uh-huh. So, so you know, it, it is quite interesting. It deserves to to take a look in more details. Yeah, if you look at Barnes' notes in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one way or another, it wasn't a random decision. Uh, apparently, he had, or, had already had her uh, as a concubine, which in and of itself has me wondering what's going on here. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and and even in the story of the half Torah with uh, David uh, in chapter one, uh, now King David was old and stricken in years and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. So he was apparently always cold. So wherefore his servant said to him, let there be sought for my Lord, the King, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may gain heat. Like I'm like what? Like you gotta have some young hot chick to make you warm when you've got like how many wives you're up to at this point? What's up with Bathsheba? You know she was so hot you had Uriah killed. I don't get David. There's so much about David like I just don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't get it, man. Uh, you know, I know he's yeah, the man after some part that is difficult to, to understand. There's you know? way That's too true. much difficult for me to understand. Maybe I'm just a simpleton. I don't know. But, uh, you know, David's a man after God's own heart because he loved the law. And I get that. But there's times when he's just not on the page that I think somebody who's on, the, you know, who am I? Right. I mean, you know, who his ways are mm-hmm. higher than my ways. But some of the stuff that goes on, I'm like, what? what? Uh, and so maybe that's part of the parallel, uh, you know, why the half tour is paired up with uh, this this week's Torah portion because, you know, apparently Abraham, you know, decided, well, okay, well, Sarah's dead, so let me go find a concubine. Uh, <laughs> and he's still going. He's still going at, what, 100 and, you know, what do you say? It said 100 and, he died at 175. 
and he has ch- and he still has children by her. So you know he's he's still he's still getting busy. Yeah, it was active. That's true. And, and and do you know there's something in addition about Keturah in the in the in those books in the book of Yasser and maybe in the book of Yoelin? I I don't remember by by heart. Yeah. Um, maybe there's more information because I was taking a look and in the meantime in the, in the scripture there's only four references of Keturah in the in the chapter 25 of the book of Genesis and the other one is in the first Chronicles, but this is is talking about exactly the same. Yeah, about the, the sons of Keturah with Abraham. Well, you know, the other thing is that what is? Let me let me switch over here again. Uh, he he has six sons uh, with her, from her mm-hmm. bearing six sons. And uh, let me switch over to the Torah portion. Six. Uh, um, yeah, these become the the uh, Midianites. Correct. That, you know, at least some of them. Uh, she bears Zimram and and Joxan and Medan and Midian, and Ishbak and Shua, and then it goes on to describe the other ones. Well, I mean, it's the Midianites that give the Israelites trouble later. Correct. <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, in, in the uh, Exodus account, in what is in the book? Is it? Is it? Wait a minute. Let me think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's what. That's what bring when. When uh, Balaam, the whole Balak and Balaam story, uh, when it was there, yes, yeah, it's he, in the book of Numbers. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, you know, brought in to to uh, curse Israel, and every time he opens his mouth, he brings a blessing uh, on Israel and a curse on the king that wants to do harm to him. And uh, uh, but later we see that it's the women of Midian that are brought in to cause the the men of Israel to uh, to stumble. Uh, so yes. I mean, there's got to be something. And actually, to this. It was the second. It was the second generation of Israel that stumbled with the with the woman of the Midian. Yeah. And 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 and, and actually, yeah, you know, the, uh, it, that that situation came to be known as the matter of Peor. Yeah. And it was so <laughs> right. so complicated. It's being right. repeated about the, what happened in in Peor, the matter of Peor, Peor in multiple times in the in the scripture. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, it was with the Midianite. That that you know that story is what always sort of confirmed in my mind the the issue with Keturah is that you know when we do things our ways and disobey God you know ultimately it comes back to bite us later you know um and so when I was going by the Joshua account and and seeing like what Abraham married a Canaanite I'm like what and then see later that well the offspring later thereof caused trouble for you know uh, the, the true offspring of you know the 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 chosen offspring, let me say it that way, of uh, Abraham, you know, that uh, just like, you know, Ishmael became a problem also, you know, is he's like, look, I'm I'm promising you, Abram, that you and your wife, Sarai, are going to have children. And, you know, when time goes by and it doesn't happen, they're like, well, maybe he meant through my servant. Okay, Abram, take my servant. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, He does. And the next thing you know, you got Ishmael. Um, and so that seemed to be justification, you know, not justification, but uh, confirmation that, that there may have been something wrong in his choice of Keturah. But I don't know. I mean, I, it, that's why I enjoy doing these studies because, you know, other people bring insights that, you know, you may not catch. And so it might be worth looking into a it bit could, deeper. 
it, it could be. I agree with you, Rob. Maybe we need to take a look in more details. And, and that's why, you know, when you mentioned this, it, it came to my mind immediately. That maybe it's one of the reasons why Abraham decided to send away all those sons from, from Yishak. Yeah. So it could, could be a good, good possibility. So one, one additional thing that, uh, you know, I was, uh, for me, was so fascinated in this uh, portion, uh, Rob, is uh, all the story about uh, when Sarah died. And Abraham was with the Hittites uh, discussing about uh, getting a piece of land. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Uh, what uh, I found it very interesting is that uh, no matter that uh, the Hittites was they were offering to him a burial site, uh, even even when he was talking uh, with the front, uh, Ephron was the was said uh, he decided to to give it the land the cave and also he abraham was asking only about the cave and from was uh, decided to give the cave and also the land mm. that was next to the to the cave and he wanted to give it for free and uh, abraham they rejected it he, he wanted to pay for the for the land and uh, and the whole discussion is going on in different different aspects you know and when i when i was taking a look uh, this morning on this portion just uh, so for the first time, there's something to, in this whole to, discussion that the sons of Heb, they were telling the, um, Abraham to use one of their burial sites. So it's basically go take one of our cemetery, cemeteries and put your dead there. But Abraham uh, didn't want to do that. He wanted to have a special piece of land in order to have uh, his, uh, his people, his uh, relatives. He, he's dead uh, there. So, so in a, in addition to that, uh, the whole the whole discussion of uh, getting the, paying a price for the piece of land uh, it caught my attention in the past, and you know I was taking a look in more details uh, today. Why? Because uh, we see other references in the scripture uh, about about the same that uh, we always have to pay a price. And, and you know the, the the first example that I wanted to share and something similar that happened is in the book of Second Samuel in the chapter twenty-four, and this is the story when the David was moved to to take a census of the people, and uh, it was a full plague, people dying, and even David saw David saw the messenger for Yahuwah striking the people and uh, and we see the, the entire story and i want to to share from the verse 21 to the 25 on the chapter 24 of second samuel so it, it says in in my version it says and arana arabna said why has my master the sovereign come to his servant and david said david said to buy the threshing floor from you to build a slaughter place to yahuwah so that the play be withdrawn from the people. And Arabna said to David, let my master, the sovereign, take an offer that which seems good to him. Here are the cattle for ascending offering and threshing implements and the yokes of the cattle for good. So, so we see how, somehow the same interaction that we saw in the, the portion between Abraham and the sons of Heth. We see here from this uh, Jebusite and, and King David. Basically, this guy was giving everything to, to David, uh, the piece of land, uh, the, 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 the cattle, the animals, 
and they implement the good in order to, to build the, the slaughter place. And the answer from David was uh, very similar to the one of, uh, of uh, Abraham. So, so let's continue in the verse 23. All these a sovereign, Arabna has given to the sovereign. And Arabna said to the sovereign, Yahuwah, your Elohim, accept you. And the sovereign, David, said to Arabna, No, let me buy it from you for a price, for certain. I am not offering ascending offerings to Yahuwah, my Elohim, without cost. So David bought, bought the threshing floor and the cattle for 50 shekels of silver. And David built a slaughter place to Yahuwah there and offered ascending offerings and peace offering. And Yahuwah answered the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So, so you know, the purpose, the, the, the end purpose here was different. Uh, David, uh, David was the instructor to take that place and build a slaughter place for Yahuwah an altar to Yahuwah in order to stop the plague. But the, the only fact that uh, he wanted to pay a price, uh, it caught my attention. Mm -hmm. Caught my attention to, with, because it's very similar to, to what is written in the, this portion about uh, what Abraham did with the sons of, uh, of Heth. And, and you know, it started to make some echoes uh, between me that uh, we see several examples in the scripture about uh, that uh, they need to pay a price for something. And the first example is about the firstborn. You know, uh, if we want to redeem the firstborn, we are instructed in the in the in Torah that uh, we need to pay a price. And there are several categories of the price that we need to we need to pay. It depends on the age and so on. And then uh, we see a clear example of what happened with the, the Levites. You know, when the Yahuwah decided to take the Levites instead of the firstborn, they needed to pay the difference because of the, there was a more, the, more of one group than the other. So, so they needed to pay the difference because of the firstborn. So, so, so it, it's so interesting that the, the scripture shows us that uh, in order to have something, in order to have the, the, the right of property of something, we need to pay a price. And we need to, we need to think, uh, we can think on this is that, uh, you know, Abraham was a, a foreigner on the land. He wasn't owner of anything, and you know he, he knew that in the in the coming years in the future there was a kind of a dispute between the, the people of the land because of the promise of Yahuwah. So maybe it was a it was a way to seal a, a pact to have a piece of paper to, to put it in some way uh, that it was the property right that he bought the land. So so for he, his descendant to have something to demonstrate that uh, he was the owner of the land. Uh, it could be that the reason. Uh, but no, uh, how to understand this in a spiritual application, and, and that's the, the important point. And I started to connect some 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 passages that I want to to share. But uh, Rob, I think you want to to say something. I before. I was just kind of thinking out loud when you when you're talking about that because I was wondering uh, what the um, some of the New Testament passages that are connected with this week's Torah portion, uh, like in Matthew, the the Matthew portion. Uh, is all about Judas and the 30 pieces of silver that, that were paid. Um, you know, it, it was about, uh, you know, the price of, of blood and and, and uh, then how it was used to buy the potter's field and all that kind of stuff. I was, I'm, I'm like, there's probably a nugget there. Like, I, I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm kind of grasping, like, well, well, oh, wait a minute, that, that sounds interesting. <laughs> like, uh <laughs> You know, uh, whatever it was you just said a minute ago, it just kind of sparked. Like, okay, there might be, might be a trail worth hopping down here, uh, a, a rabbit trail, so to speak, of, you know, analyzing that, and maybe that's why, 
because a lot of times I'm I'm always trying to most of the time let me say when I look at the half Torah the the prophets in the Brit Hadashah New Testament portions there's pretty obvious connections you know most of the time when when you're reading it like you, you see I mean many times it's a direct reference to whatever was in the Torah you know if, for as so and so did such and such you know that kind of that, that kind of a reference like point blank obvious connection callback to what was in the Torah but other times I got to think a lot harder <laughs> like going okay why did the ancient you know rabbis and Hebrews why did they put put why did they grab this specific portion from the prophets and tie it to this week's Torah portion and why did the Christians later take this New Testament passage and tie it to the Torah portion so uh yeah please continue um Actually, Rob, tell, get... tell me something. In the, in the Haftarah for this week, I, I don't have it here uh, in front of me. Is the um, chapter 32 of uh, uh, Jeremiah on it or, or not? Um, of... Well, you know, that is interesting. Uh, no, it isn't. Um, uh, on Virtual House Church, I, the only passage I have is 1 Kings uh, 1, verses 1 through 31. Um, okay. And when I was putting the um, various scriptures together for Virtual House Church. I tried to find the most common ones, but I found that some websites had different ones. That, that, that okay. It's not always exactly the same. So, um, you know, I'm not aware of any others that may have that passage. Uh, okay. This is the one that I saw that was paired up. No, interesting. And the reason I'm asking, because, you know, it, it continuing the line that I was sharing before, about this, uh, the property property right, right? Is something that you can demonstrate that you are the owner of the land. Uh, we see a, a clear example on the book of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah. And, and this is a really, for me, it was a really interesting because somehow it's connected to a prophecy for the last days. Yeah, that's what it was. That, it was when, that's what it was. When, when, when you said it, I was like, what is it? Like, I was going, how does that relate to 1948 then? You know? Like, what yeah. did they not do? You know? Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and so now, Actually, I mean, because like when you look at Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 30, 31, and I guess now 32, you're about to talk about uh, the entire book of Hosea, uh, Ezekiel 37 through 40, uh, you know, Isaiah 65 and 66. None of those passages even remotely fit the events of 1948. So, uh, yeah, man, um, what do you have? What, what do you think? Actually, yeah, no, actually, actually, you know, when I, when I thought on this, uh, Abraham, he, he knew about the promise. He knew that that land was going to be for, for, for his seed. Yeah. So, so, so why, why to buy it? Why to have uh -huh. a property of land? You know, in some way I was thinking that it could be that uh, Abraham wanted to demonstrate later on uh. That he was owner of, he was also owner. He was not a so a foreigner. He was also owner of this of this land. And rightfully and, you know, gained it. This, he, he rightfully gained it. So, yes, he, he exactly. didn't steal it. He, he had some right on the land. Yeah. So so interesting, and we and we and we see in the book of Jeremiah, you know, this is somehow connecting with the same concept that I'm I'm sharing now in the verse starting in the verse ten to the verse fifteen. And the, what was the the context of the entire story here? It's basically the the son of his uncle, you know, his cousin, is coming to Jeremiah and to tell him that please uh, buy the land because you have the owner of redemption of this land. So 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 this is basically the whole context we we read from the verse one onward. 
Uh, and actually, let's start with the verse 9. And it says, uh, this is uh, Jeremiah speaking, And I bought the field which was at Anatoth from Hanameel, my uncle's son, and weighed out to him the silver, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the silver in the scales. Wow. Then I took the deed of purchase, that which was sealed according to the command and law, and that which was open. And I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriyah, son of Machseyah, in the presence of Hanameel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witness who signed the, the deed of purchase before all the Yahudim who sat in the court uh, of the guard. And I commanded Baruch before their eyes, saying, Thus said Yahuwah Sebaot, Yahuwah of hosts, the Elohim of Israel, take these deeds, both this deed of purchase, which is sealed, and this deed, which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, so that, that they remain many days. For that said Yahuwah Sebaot, the Elohim of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. So, so, you know, when I saw this, I found it so fascinated because he's talking about two deeds of purchase. Mm. It's, it's the property right. One, it was open, and the other one that was sealed. And if we connected to what I was uh, I was chatting about Abraham, that maybe that was the entire purpose, is to show later on to the future generations that uh, he had the right on this land. What was purchased and, here in uh, Jeremiah? What, what, what's, uh, sorry? Well, I missed it. What was, what was specifically being purchased here in Jeremiah? In Jeremiah was the the land uh, of the, his uh, his cousin. Oh, just the, that specific land that his cousin. Owned? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> yes, that specific land. But you know what's the, what is the, what is interesting is in verse fifteen, because what 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 what's the, the entire context and the purpose of the story, is this what is written in the verse fifteen. For thus said Yahuwah of hosts, the Elohim of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought. In this land, so so, the the, the whole purpose of Yirmiyah uh, Jeremiah buying this land and have this uh, sealed, uh, and in order to remain many days, is because the, the 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 land was going to get free again, mm. and and you know if we continue uh, and and he wanted to have this uh, this uh, this uh, sealed, this uh, deed of purchase done, in order to demonstrate that this was the his field. But if we continue reading in this in this passage, I don't remember exactly what it is, but uh, it's talking about the. Let me let me look it in the in the written scripture because I'm looking in the in the Eastward, and I have my notes here, and sometimes it's much easier to <laughs> to check it. You know, if, uh, while you're looking, um, a thought occurred to me. And uh, I wonder if it's worth exploring is, you know, uh, Abraham, um, I'm not aware of anything. I'm not aware of Isaac purchasing any land. I can't think of anything. Uh, Jacob, I believe, did. Um, um, David did, obviously. Jeremiah, we see, did. So I'm wondering if there can be a case, if a case could be made for the people of Abraham systematically over time purchasing and having legal deed to the land, getting it from other people without conquest. Um, you know, uh, like in all these cases that we've looked at so far, there's no warfare taking place. 
they're they're making you know reasonable civil uh, uh, interactions and and purchases you know um, to get the land so I, I'm just thinking out loud here I'm just wondering if as, as we go through all the scriptures can a case be made for them legally systematically buying up the land it's like in other words I would like to see on a map okay Abraham bought this circle of land right here right and you know Jacob got this land and David got this land and Jeremiah bought this portion like can we map out what has legally been purchased already do you follow what I'm saying yeah, no, I'm following. Actually, you know, the whole purpose of what we, we read here in, in Jeremiah, he was instructing Baruch to put this in an earthen vessel. Just connecting those, you know, you remember what happened with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Maybe some, somebody will, will find somewhere. The, all the deeds. Some, sometime. Find all the deeds. Yes, the deed of purchase of Jeremiah. Or or anybody else, for that matter. I mean, you, you wonder, like, because... Yeah. You know, in that society, you'd have to be able to prove it, right? You know, prove you're mm -hmm. on this land. You know, look, look, I got the deed of purchase right here. You know, just like, you know, we can't be squatters today. You know, it's like, you know, if you're living in a house, you got to be able to prove that you you own it, you know, that, that you've purchased it. That's interesting. Yeah, correct. And actually, if we move forward in the same chapter 32 of Jeremiah, and, and that's the connection with the, the last days, and if we go to the, to the verse 25, you know, in, in between the between the verse the 15 and the 25, Jeremiah, Jeremiah lifted up a prayer to Yahuwah, and this is very beautiful prayer about what was going on in those in those times. But skipping skipping that part and going directly to the verse 25, it says, "Yet you, o Master Yahuwah, have said to me, buy the field for silver and take witnesses, although the city has been given into the land the hand of the Kastim, the Chaldees." Chaldeans, yeah. Then the word of Yahuwah came to Yirmiyahu, saying. I'm in the verse 26 now. See, I am Yahuwah, the Elohim of all flesh. Is there any matter too hard for me? Therefore, that said Yahuwah, see, I'm giving the city into the hand of the Chaldees, the Kastim, into the hand of a Nebuchadnezzar, sovereign of Abel, and he shall take it. And, and he started to, you know, if we continue in the in the, in the rest of the, the verses, starting to, started to talk about how Israel, how the two houses departed from him, started to worship Baal, and the, the reason that he he poured out this wrath and this destruction over the city. Actually, just to read in one of the verses, in the verse 30, it says, For the children of Israel and the children of Yehuda, these are the two houses, have done only evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me with the work of their hands, declares Yahuwah. So, and, and, and we go back to the end of this, uh, this uh, 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 talk and, and, and description that Yahuwah is answering to uh, Jeremiah. He started to, to change the, the speech in the verse 36, just to demonstrate what the, was the final purpose. And it says in the verse 36, And now that said Yahuwah, the Elohim of Israel concerning this city of which you say, it shall be given into the hand of the sovereign of Abel by the sword and by scarcity of food and by pestilence. See, I am gathering them out of all the lands where I have driven them in my displeasure and in my wrath and in great rage. And I shall bring them back to this place and shall let them dwell in safety. 
and they shall be my people, and I shall be their Elohim. And I shall give them one heart and one way to fear me all the days, for the good of them and of their children after them. What verse is And that? I shall make an everlasting covenant. Where, where are you? Sorry. Uh, what verse? I'm in the verse uh, 37. Oh, 37. Okay. Sorry. I, I, got, yes. I got lost in here somewhere. Uh, yes. But I'll gather. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I will so, gather so he, them out he, of their countries. Yeah, Yahuwah is starting to describe everything about the second exodus, that he will gather yes. the, all his children, the house of Israel and the house of uh, Yehudah. Uh, and actually, if we jump to the verse 43, after the, the entire description, you know that this is so, so interesting. And he, he said the following in the verse 43, and fields shall be bought in this land oh. of which you are saying, Huh. It is a wasteland without man or beast. It has been given uh, into the hands of the Castile. And the 44 fields shall be bought for silver, and this signed and sealed, and witnesses be called in the land of Benjamin, and in the places around Jerusalem, wow. and in the cities of Yehudah, and in the cities of the mountains, and in the cities of the low country, and in the cities of the south. For I shall turn back their captivity, declares Yehudah. So, so, so what's the point, Rob? What's the connection? of what happened in the story of Abraham when we see this amazing prophecy of, uh, of uh, Yirmiyahu. It's exactly what we were discussing before. It's, we need to pay a price, and in this case, it was to pay a price for the land. There's a, a, a property right over the land. And this is amazing connection that the, the whole thing that the, most probably Abraham did, and also what Yirmiyahu did, Jeremiah did, it was connected to these end time prophecies, that as soon as we are regathered, all of this is going to happen. Fields are going to be bought for silver, and we are going to know what are the property rights of the land. And then I found this is so so interesting. There is a there is also a, a spiritual application to our days that I, I will share in a moment. But uh, you know, just only thinking in that part, I thought it's so so important uh, connecting those uh, those passages. I don't know. You want to make a comment on this? Uh, well, only that. Uh, you know, my thought. Well, I mean. I usually list there's a there's a number of scriptures I typically list uh, whenever I'm refuting the 1948 issue, you know uh, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah 31. Now I need to add 32 because I hadn't really. Uh, wow, I mean there's a lot in there that clearly did not take place in 1948. Uh, wow, I mean there there's a lot there I hadn't seen before. So I appreciate you bringing that out. So that's that's the only thing. Please continue. Yeah, you know, so so continuing this topic, uh, Rob, and actually is the main the main insight, and I got uh, regarding this portion. Uh, it's about this property right. Uh, how how to understand this? Uh, you know, in 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 our days currently. Uh, and 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 let me connect something that is uh, really interesting. We see in the book of Revelation, chapter five about the scroll with seven seals. And the only one that was has the right to the open the scroll. Yes, the deed. Yes, it was Yahushua HaMashiach, yeah. the Lamb. Yeah. The, so the, so, so the how, how, how is this connected to what we are discussing? Is the, the deed uh, of right, of purchase. Uh, the only one is the owner, the one with the seal. It was yeah. sealed with his name. Uh -huh. So, so, so the, whole, the whole story about the words in Revelation 5, take a totally different uh, angle, just looking at it in this way. 
that this scroll is the the, the property rights, the deal of purchase, the deed of purchase of Yahushua Hamashiach, and that's why he was the the only one able to open it, and that's why it was so important that he was opening the seven seals, yeah, in order to open this deed, in order to claim his property. Mm-hmm. So, so so you know, just looking at this angle is so so important, and how how to connect this uh, with the with the with the um, with some verses, we go to the first Peter chapter one, verse 17 and 19. And we know this uh, by heart, but it's important to read it directly from the scripture. It says first Peter chapter one, verse 17. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear, in the same way that Abraham was showing us in his entire life, past time of our sojourning in fear. We are not the owner yet, in the same way that Abraham wasn't the owner. So, but he was uh, holding fast to the promise in the same way we need to do it. And it says in the verse 18, knowing that you were redeemed from your futile behavior, inherited from your fathers, and you know, this is also a, refle- a reflection of the life of Abraham. We were discussing in the past about the whole story about Terah and so and, and his father and so on. So, so this is also applicable to Abraham's story and fully applicable to us because it's Peter talking to the believers in the Mashiach. So inherited from your fathers, not with what is corruptible, silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Mashiach, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless. So if we connect this, uh, that we we need always we need to pay a price for something. Yahushua paid the most tremendous price in order to have a property. And what's the property? Is the inheritance and the promise of Abraham. And also we are his property because he paid the price not with silver or gold. He paid the price with his blood. So so the deed of purchase of Yahushua that is written in this scroll of revelation is also you and me all of us all the children of yahuwah that we are part of this uh, property right of him of his so looking looking at it in the in a in a different different angle just to understand that uh, what we see in all these passages that we need to pay a price always we i, I gave a few examples about the, the levites the firstborn we saw the story of Yirmiyahu. what the scripture teaches is that we always need to pay a price when we, we want to we want to have something so so the, the question the question that i was thinking when i was reading all of this was the price we are willing to pay for his kingdom if we need to pay a price for something this is also applicable to us what's the price we want to pay and we're willing to pay in order to have the kingdom of Yahuwah. And uh, there are few few passages that's so, so interesting, you know, just connecting the, the, the entire concept. If we go to the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew Yahu in Hebrew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. Yahushua said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break, break in and steal. 
is talking that, uh, you know, our main purpose, and we connect with another passage mentioned by our Mashiach, that our first priority in life needs to be his, his kingdom and the righteousness of his kingdom. So, so when he's talking about that we need to uh, make treasures on heaven, what is in heaven? What is the treasure that we are going to have in heaven? It's New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem that will descend on this earth that is going to be established as part of the kingdom of Yahuwah. So if we put our priority in the kingdom and we pay the price in order to have a treasure in heaven, we're going to have this property land as part of the kingdom as soon as it's established here on earth. So, and, and, and how, how to connect this uh, with everything that I have said? If we go to the, the same book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44. This is an, an amazing parable of Mashiach. And it's, a, it's known by the parable of the hidden treasure, I think. Yes, the parable of the hidden treasure. It's a very short one. It's just one, one verse. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Yahushua speaking, he said, Again, the kingdom of heavens is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man having found it, hid. And for, a joy, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So we see again this transaction in the parable of Yahushua HaMashiach. The, the transaction that we saw in the case of Abraham, in the case of uh, David, David, in the case of Jeremiah, we see Yahushua taking the same example in this parable, that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is an amazing treasure that he hid in a field, and the man sold everything that he has as a property and buy this land. So he paid a price in order to buy that land because of the kingdom of heaven. So, 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 What's the spiritual connection? What's the price? I was saying the question I was making myself this morning. What's the price we are willing to pay for his kingdom? And Yahushua gave a lot of example on this. You know, going to the same book in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 27. Yahushua said, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Yahushua said to his told one, his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his stake and follow me. Or whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he gains all the world and loses his own life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his life? For the son of Adam is going to come in the steam of his father with his messenger, and then he shall reward each according to his works. So, so again, in the concept of paying a price, we see Yahushua paid a tremendous price in order to have ownership, property ownership on us by his blood. And also we need to pay a price in order to have treasure in the kingdom. So, so, and, and, and this is, this is so important because of the difficulties we are living today. Uh, you know, we were discussing this in the, in the, the, the previous uh, virtual house uh, session in Rob that the world is going crazy. You know, there are so many difficulties going on as of now, you know, as we speak, and more difficulties will go even even longer. Uh, you know, the, I think what is coming in the coming months or the, the coming years is going to be even more difficult. So, so there is that where we need to understand what's the price we are willing to pay 
in order to be in the kingdom. You know, no matter the, no matter that all the difficulties we are living, we have the perfect example in the life of Abraham. We have the even perfect, uh, even much perfect example in the life of Yahushua Hamashiach, that even that we go through the difficulties, he were willing to pay the, uh, the price. And actually what he's written in the verse 26, that every everyone that uh, he lose his own life, he is gonna receive the inheritance. You know, it's much much important to think in our life in the in the eternal eternal life and our actual life. So so we need to think in how to pay the price, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter on in our belongings. Uh, currently, we see the same thing happening in the story of Lot, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? And we need to think and hold fast on the promises of Yahuwah in order to have the treasure, to pay the price now, in order to have the treasure later on. So even when we go to the to the verse, to, to the chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 28 Matthew 10. to 30, chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 28 to 30, it says the following, and do not fear those, key, uh, those who kill the body, that are unable to kill the being, but rather fear him who is able to destroy uh, both uh, soul and actually, body. Actually, it's not the passage. Oh. No, this is not the passage. It's other one, but I, I remember by heart. It's basically the disciples going to the master and saying, but master, we have left everything for you. And the master said, okay, you will have your reward at the moment of the kingdom of heaven is established. So, so, so that needs to be our mindset, you know, no matter that we are going through difficulties today, and even those difficulties are going to increase, we need to think that we need to pay a price. And that price, you know, we are going to receive the reward later on. In the same way that Yahushua paid the price in order for us to be his uh, right of uh, property. So, so, so this is uh, this is amazing, you know, Rob. I think it's important. It resonated within me when I was reading this, looking at it in the two angles uh, about uh, what is important on the on the deed of purchase from the historical view mm -hmm. about the, the need to pay a price, you know. And we see this in the in the words in the life of Yahushua paying a price for us, and also that we need to pay a price in order to be part of the kingdom. And, they, and, and, you know, connecting to some of the insights that were uh, sharing before, you know, it, it's exactly the same that with the, in the, what the Abraham was instructing the servant. Don't take my son back. We don't need to go look back because we need to put our eyes to the north, to the, to the establishment of the kingdom of Yahuwah, where our treasure is. And we need to pay the price now that no matter that, uh, you know, we have rejection from the people, we have, we suffer persecution. Because it's written that we will suffer persecution. We saw a lot of examples from the people from the past that were persecuted by righteousness' sake, by the name, because of the name of Yahushua Hamashiach. Most probably, we will go through persecution at more difficult times. But this is part of the price we are paying in order to have this inheritance of the promise of the land that you know the the, the right owner is Yahushua Hamashiach, and we are paying the price now in order to have a piece of that land as well. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the part that I find that fascinated. I don't know, Rafi, if you want to to comment on this. No, um, really good stuff. Um, you know, when we think of the the title deed that Yeshua is opening in the Book of Revelation, you know, the seven seals. I think 
you know, I know I've I've probably done this myself is is thinking that he's opened up, uh, like each seal is opening of a different uh, story or uh, with uh, different punishments and ramifications and whatnot. But if you look at a scroll that you know as a tube, it had seven seals on it. So in other words, the scroll's not even opened completely until the seventh seal is broken. And and once cool. that seventh, because he, it's like he peels open one seal and stuff happens. You know, peels open another seal, stuff happens. And when you, by the time you get to the, the it's like, it's like the drum roll gets big, louder and louder. You know, bada boom, bang. You know, when the seventh seal is finally opened, it's done. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and that was part of what, among other things, that helped me realize that Revelation is not written in a linear progression, that there's overlaps. That, that mm-hmm. you know, John, the only thing he can do is talk in a linear fashion. He can't he can't talk with multiple things happening at the same time. He's, he's giving, uh, you know, the best way I can describe it is when Doug Hamp and I were doing the Quest for Truth series and, and describing... John and basically like a video production studio. I don't know if you've ever been in one, but you know I work in that field. And if you walk into a professional television studio, you're going to see a room full of monitors. There'll be monitors all over the place, you know. And the director is like, you know, he's looking at this monitor, he's looking at that monitor, and he's talking to the editor, and he says, "Okay, ready, to, ready to take two, take two. And then he pushes a button, and take two plays whatever's on monitor two. Okay, you know what? Uh, number five looks interesting. Ready five? Take five. He hits the button, and five is on the screen. And so the way I envision John understanding what was shown to him is he, he's it's not in sequential order. In other words, when, when we read in Scripture, he'll say such and such happens, and then it's like, and then I saw blah, blah, blah happens. It's not that w- what he then he saw follows sequentially to what he just saw, necessarily it's that okay i'm looking at monitor a let me write what was in monitor a and wow and then i saw and he writes what's in monitor b you know um and when we and and um doug really helped me with a lot of this is showing like look how many times can all the mountains and rivers and 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 islands be destroyed you know, if all the islands have been destroyed, there can't be any more islands to destroy later. So if all the islands were destroyed under this seal, they can't be destroyed again over here under this trumpet or whatever. You know, I'm just spitballing, uh, you know, stuff here. Um, so when you see similar verbiage on this over here to what was previously discussed over here, if they're the, you know, if it's the same type of verbiage, you, you sync them up, you know. Uh, great earthquake, great earthquake, great this, that, and just line them up. And so that's what helped me to understand the, the concept of uh, a one scroll with seven seals that as each one's broken, it manifests the, you know, the various things that we hear described later. I don't know if it makes sense in my mind. I don't know if I'm articulating it as well as um, I'm thinking it. But, uh, you know, if we think of that as a title deed, um, you know, when he finally opens it, he's like, Okay, this place is mine <laughs> now. Uh, it's been bought with a price, and I'm taking it back. You know, that's my thoughts on it. 
Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, I think that's the way I look at it with, with this uh, rough. And by the way, I have been studying, checking the, the videos with, uh, with Doc that you did in the Quest for Truth. This is very interesting just to study on the parallel parallelism between the, the seals and the and the and the trumpets. I, I'm not yet fully convinced, but I think you, you made <laughs> you 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 both made a very compelling arguments on those and those studies. So I'm going deeper on the on the details. Yeah. But uh, you know, just uh, going back that the understanding that the, this is the the title deed, as you said, is is amazing because uh, you know he's the owner of the the whole earth, and, and he paid a tremendous price. And then, and you know, the, the the important thing for me is how to how to apply this is uh, to our life uh, now. You know, we also need to pay the price, and that was uh, what resonated uh, within me. We need to pay a price in the same way because this is part of what the scripture tell us. Why why Abraham and what David? Why David? They want to receive it for free. They they knew they knew this uh, in in advance that the it's a must. We must pay a price for for Yahuwah. And you know, to all of us, we, we are paying a different price, most probably. We'll pay a different price. And then paying a price doesn't mean it's something negative, not at all. It can be something positive. It's just an exchange, exchanging something. You know, Yehushua said that uh, we need to give and it will be given to us. So, so basically, it's just to, it's like a sowing seed. Yehushua said that, you know, the seed needs to die in order to be, bring uh, several fruit when he was uh, speaking about him. So, so basically, it's giving something in order to receive something in return. And in, in this case, it's so important how to apply this concept to, to our own lives. That, that's the, for me, is the most uh, important thing in, in the different angles that I was sharing about this portion. Yeah, very so, good stuff. Yes. So, so that's uh, what I have to for today, actually, Rob. Uh, I was focus, focusing mainly on this and uh, these two, two verses, you know, what we have in the last chapter. It's about uh, Abraham dying and uh, Ishmael and Yitzhak uh, burying his, uh, his dad. Yeah, you and, know. Uh, you know, this is interesting, uh, 175 years. Yeah, 175. To, 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 to get to that age, but with uh, very active <laughs> as Abraham. Yeah, I don't know why I, I was thinking he lived 200 years. I, I, who lived 200 years? There was somebody that lived 200 years. I for some reason Most I was probably. thinking some yeah. reason I was thinking it was Abraham but uh, yeah I mean it clearly says he lived 175 so um, yeah. quite the life man I mean you know he was thinking he's all dried up at what 90 or, or even 75 for that matter you know uh, you, if you look at the dialogue that he's having at, at 75 and 90 uh, you know in prior to having Isaac you know you think I'm all dried up and withered and there's no point in going on, you know, better, I guess the pro the promise isn't going to happen. And yet he lived, you know, like, well, another hundred years past 75, yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, yeah, you're right. Yes. It was a hundred year. Yeah. From, from 75, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, go look at his attitude from, from 75 to a hundred, like what he's thinking. Yeah. And Sarah too, you know, what, what both yeah. of them were thinking in that window of time from 75 to 100. And and even Sarah, what did she live? Uh, uh, I forgot, what was it, 125 or something? 127. 127. One. It's here. It's 127, yes. 120. So she only lived another 27 years uh, past the time of uh, uh, of Isaac being yeah. born. Uh, right? Well, wait, wait. 
Abraham was no, it was, Abraham, a, it, was a, it was a bit more actually. It was like thirty the, something years. Sarah was ninety. Yeah, she was ninety. That's right. Yeah, she was younger. Was than, she was younger than Abraham. So uh, yeah, and then in the Joshua story, um, you know, because this is the whole passage, you know, where uh, Isaac is to be offered up, you know. Uh, the Joshua account really unpacks that story. Like it, there's a lot more to it. And, uh, you know, when you read about what led to Sarah's death, it's actually really sad. I mean, it's, a uh, it's, it's pretty tragic, you know, cause she, she's like, yeah, yeah, she's like, where's my son, you know? And, and Satan shows up you know, in, in, in incognito and he's like, uh, Oh yeah. You know, Abraham's gone to go kill him, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. She's like flipping out, trying to like what you know, and she's so stressed out about uh, Isaac being killed that uh, that when she finds out that he's that he's not that everything's okay, she just she has a heart attack. You know, she's like, yeah. you know, it's like overwhelmed with with the emotion of thinking that she's lost him, and then when she finds out that she didn't lose him, she dies. <laughs> you know, uh, th- it just took such a toll on her. Uh, that's a tragic story, man. That's like, that's that's really sad. No, I say it's a very sad. Actually, I remember when I read this uh, for the first time, it was uh, very very compelling. Yeah, because yeah, she was desperate, and I, you know, we think uh, the, the emotional side of uh, of us, just uh, think she she got this uh, this only son at uh, ninety years old. Yeah, and suddenly she she get this information that the, the son was killed by his father. Yeah, I'm sure. The, the emotions are going to be very, very, very high. Well, I'm very sure. Shoot, at the, you know, you know, just just think about <laughs> the emotions in that event. She's probably I'm going to kill Abraham. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> uh, and actually, the same with the the same with Abraham. I was uh, discussing this uh, this morning about this this part of the story from from last portion. You know, just the, the Abraham making the decision to go and take his only son. He knew that he was part of the, the, the promise, promise it, and going to, to kill him. You know, the, the, that requires a very strong faith. Yeah. Sometimes for us it's so so difficult to, to, to make decisions and have a strong faith for small things in life that we need to we need to take courage and understand and give take a, take the example of Abraham. Yeah, I don't remember if it was in Joshua or another text. It's been a while because I didn't I didn't review the Joshua account this morning, um, and it's been a while since I looked at it. But I I think the whole idea was Isaac's to begin with. If I remember, there was a there was a story between uh, there was a dialogue between him and um, Ishmael, I think. And Ishmael's like, you know, I'd yeah, do, I'd do, I, I'd do anything. Gotcha. Yeah, he, he's like, I'd do anything for Dad, you know. And and Isaac's like, well, yeah, well, you know, if I if 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 God wanted me to lay down my own life or whatever, well, I remember exactly how it was. Like, if you know, sacrifice, I'd do it, you know. And it, it's almost like you know, when you read the Joshua account, God's like, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Let's go with that, you know. Uh, and and it proved to be a test, you know, a, a massive test for for Abraham. I mean. Who had never intended for anybody to sacrifice their children? You know, you know mm. child sacrifice is, is something he speaks against. Uh, so it was always just a test to see, you know, how faithful Abraham's going to be. Like, and I mean, you got to know, and Abraham's faith was extraordinary there because you, you get this sense that he's like, well, you know, I know Isaac's the promise, so I, I guess if I kill him, he's, you know, God can raise him up again, you know. Uh, or, 
you know, redeem it somehow. You know, he's like, I don't know. I just know I trust Yahuwah enough that, that he's gained my trust through everything else that has occurred in my life that as crazy as this seems to me right now, he must have a plan and I'm going to trust him in it. And like he got as far as actually raising the knife uh, when in urgency the command's like, don't. Okay, stop. You know, uh, and then you yeah. see the, the, the ram stuck in the thicket there. What a story, though, man. Actually, yeah, actually, you know, in the in the book of Jovelin, Jubilees, it doesn't go to that detail about the discussion between Ishmael and Yishak. But the, what it says in, in, in sync, and it's common in both the book, in the book of Yesher and the book of Jubilees, was uh, Satan, uh-huh. the one uh, orchestrating all of this uh, temptation over Abraham. And what is interesting in the book of Jubilees is that it's talking about uh, Abraham being tested 10 times. Wow. And, and then there were the different temptations and trying of Abraham's life. And one of them, the last one, was with the, with the, the, the sacrifice of uh, Yishak. Mm. And uh, again, it's connected to what I said before. The, uh, even the, during these 100 years, as we were the, discussing, from the year 75 to his death, Abraham, he was tempted all this time. And he was faithful until the end. So, so, so this is part of a, his way to pay the price, you know, yeah. just to even, even taking this uh, decision uh, with the coal mine in order to take his only son and going and to, to even try to sacrifice him. For sure, he was thinking, as you said, Robert, he has a very high faith, belief. He, he knew that was something was going to, to happen. But uh, yes, the, the only fact to, to take this, uh, this, this decision is, is a huge example for all of us. So, so we will go through difficulties, you know, these 100 years, uh, Abraham went through difficulties. Ten times was tempted, very, very high tempted, as it's written in the book of Jubilees. Yeah. And what's going to happen to us, you know? <laughs> I think all of us in our own lives are going through difficult difficulties all, all life. And, and, and you know, as I said, you know, we are getting, we are in the last days, there's no doubt. When it's going to happen, everything we don't know, but there's no doubt that you know prophecies are being fulfilled. And as you have been saying, Rob, and also I have been saying as well, we will go through tribulation. The, the, all this pre-tribulation rapture is is, is it's nowhere in the scripture. So so we will go through tribulation. So so we need to be well prepared in our minds and our the, in our spirit, in our heart, in order to have this faith, to have the example of a, of Abraham, not to look back to pay the price, to go ahead, cold-minded, uh, make the decision to to stand for Yahuwah. That, that's uh, that's uh, it's really important for the days we are living. Yeah, you, you, I don't remember if it was, I think it was last week's study. Uh, let me look, some, look something up here. I think we did this last week, but uh, somebody was asking about Job, and um, uh, it wasn't until actually looked it up that yeah okay so this is the uh, uh, for, I don't know if you can see it but uh, for those watching on YouTube the wall chart of world history is a really awesome resource let me s- switch cameras here it's a little better <coughs> full screen um, and it's all depicted as you know graphically with uh, at the top there are all these streams those are people's lives and you can, so you can see who overlaps with who and uh, this is, whoops, 
<laughs> it's, it's all backwards in the monitor here, so I got to think like a mirror. This is Job right here. He's he overlaps with uh, with with Abraham. He's a he's a contemporary with Abraham, and uh, it says here that Job is believed to be identical with uh, uh, Jobab of uh, I think it's Second Chronicles one forty four. I think is what it says here. The the text is really small, so it's hard for me to read it, but. Um, that he was a grandson of Esau. So let me see. Oh, he's not contemporary. Sorry. He's not contemporary with Abraham. He's looks like one, maybe 150 years after Abraham. So he's, he, he, let's see, Abram. Yeah, so he's, he's a bit after, he's not contemporary with Abraham. I apologize. He's sometime afterwards, but we see that, uh, you know, he goes through a lot of the same types of trials, you know, like how much are you going to endure uh, and still be faithful, right? Um, and we see the test, obviously, the, you know, the tremendous testing that, that Job has to go through. And, we, you know, his, his own wife's like, you know, it's gotten so bad. It's like, why don't you just curse God and die, <laughs> you know? Uh <laughs> And he doesn't. I mean, he he endures. You know, it's the whole Lord giveth, Lord taketh away. You know, I'm I'm still gonna stay the course, right? Um, and when I went through uh, the biggest crucible of my life, you know, I, I didn't quite have that attitude. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm I'm reading, you know, curse God and die. I'm like, great. I'm, so I curse God because <laughs> like I wanted to die. You know, uh, that was my attitude. It's like, okay, fine, let's get this over with. You know. Uh, I, I definitely failed <laughs> in, in that regard. Um, but but what was interesting to me in hindsight is, and, and this is why the story of uh, of Peter at at the uh, in the end of the Gospel of John really resonates with me. I mean, it's to me, it's my favorite story in the entire Bible. Is that y- you know Yahuwah will meet us where we're at. Like he knows our heart. He knows w- you know what we really mean and what our intentions really are for good or bad. So even though our mouth may be cursing him and we're angry and we're upset and in our mind we're, we're all jacked up because of whatever's happening deep down in our heart, he still, he sees that, you know, we still love him, but we just don't understand him. You know, at least in, in my case, that was what, what happened. And for me, you know, it was sort of the exact opposite of what, you know, these, these holy righteous men of God, you know, they, they stayed the course, they didn't give up, they, they didn't curse God, and, you know, they were blessed for it. Uh, for me, I did curse God. I was angry. I was ticked off. I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a missionary. I'm doing this. I just played a Jesus and a passion play for crying out loud. Now my wife's sleeping with some other guy and this, that, and the other thing, and, you know, was so upset. Uh, and, and everything in my life is falling apart and I'm losing everything, losing the house, going bankrupt and everything else. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to curse you and kill me. Get it over with. Let's do this. Uh, that was that was my attitude. Uh, and instead of doing that, he actually drew closer to me than, than in any other time in my life. It, and it was because a loving father understood that his son didn't understand what was going on, didn't understand the true heart of the father and what he, what he really meant uh, and, and what he was really doing and all that. And instead of whacking me, killing me and doing whatever, he drew closer to me and and healed me, fixed me up, explained a lot of things to me. And there's still things I still don't understand even to this day, but he, he restored me, you know. Uh, and 
even to the point of what I brought up in the beginning of this broadcast, when when I was so broken down and everything, and when I when Sheila and I were courting, and I was like, you know what, I picked wrong the last time. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it my way this time. You know, I'm waiting for you to pick. You know, and and that's when I was like, all right, Father. You know, last time was pretty brutal. If you know, is she, is she the one that you've got for me? Because this kind of feels right, but yeah, I, I ain't trusting myself here. Like, is she the one? You, and he puts a heart in the cloud, <laughs> like boop. <laughs> there it is. You know, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, this is the one I got for you. You know, I'm not gonna say we we have the you know perfect marriage. Everybody has struggles. You know, uh, but I I definitely knew that he picked this one. <laughs> you know, I picked the last one. He picked this one. Um, and in in, in the story of uh, of Peter, you know, he's like, I'll, I'll go, you know, I'm with you to the death. You know, I'm your guy. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, he's sitting in front of a campfire and a girl calls him out on, you know, on it. And he, he denies the Lord three times. Right. And, and it says that he went out and wept bitterly. And man, I so get that. Like, like in my heart, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be this. I'm going to whatever. And, and then when it comes down to it, uh, I might drop the ball, you know. There's a good chance I might drop the ball, and you know, and that's why my my prayer is always, Father, like, please help me not to do that, because I I don't want to go out that way. W- whatever the end I meet, whatever that ending is down the road, hopefully, you know, I'm I'm found on the field playing the game, you know, not on the bench, and 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 certainly, hopefully, not gone the other way. Like, you know, Father, help me to stay the course. Help me to stay on your page. Help me to you know do right to the end. You know, uh, so that I can, because my my only heart's desire is to hear "well done," you know, when I cross the finish line. And when when Peter went out and wept bitterly, I think he he started to feel like, you know what? There's no way, you know. He he said, "I'm the one to go feed the sheep, right? I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm the rock, right? That he's gonna you know build his church here, you know." Uh, Peter the rock, right? No, he's he's the he's feeling like dirt. <laughs> uh, and that's why he's like, you know what? I'm going fishing, you know. Uh, yeah. After Yeshua rose from the dead, he's like, yeah, I'm going fishing. Like he he was going back to what he knew before because he didn't, feel, in my mind anyway, because he didn't feel worthy to to continue any further. And and then we get to that story where he's out fishing and you know he didn't catch any fish. <laughs> uh, and then this this guy he doesn't yet recognize on the shore is like, yeah, throw the net on the other side. And like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so they do, and they get this massive catch, and then they're like, "It's the Lord," you know. And Peter doesn't wait a second; he's in the water and he's swimming, you know. And he gets there, and I think he's just—he's quiet. Like, I'm not gonna say anything, you know. He's sitting there, and then there's that discussion. Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Mm-hmm. Lord, you know I—I I love you as a friend. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know I I phileo you. I I love you as a friend. Okay, Peter. Do you love me as a friend? And it grieved Peter. (laughs) The third time, not because he said, do you love me, but because Peter couldn't get to agape but Yeshua is willing to go from agape to phileo to meet Peter where he was at because he couldn't get there on his own. 
Yeah. Dude, that just like, I mean, even right now, it's like really choking me up because, you know, I don't, mm. I don't know that I can get to agape all the time. I know I can get to phileo, <laughs> you know, uh, mm. but he's going to meet us where we're at, no matter where we are, you know, okay. especially when he knows what our heart is. You know, my flesh is weak, my, you know. I can't always get there where, where where I know the spirit wants me to go. I can't always get there, but my, you know, my flesh is weak. Um, but he's still going to meet us there. So, and that's why I think we have all these examples in scripture. Like David, like I said earlier, man, I don't, I don't get it, man. Like, you know, David mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, and, and probably because of the Bathsheba story, I'm pretty triggered. <laughs> You know, I, I get triggered with that one. You know, I'm like, scumbag, you know, you freaking, you know, like, I just want to rip his head off, you know. Um, and, and and that's not the only story. There's another story. I forget the details of it, but there's another story where he, you know, does something else similar to what he did there. That, you know, everybody seems to forget about it. And, and right now I can't even remember it myself, but I remember reading it and going, what? You know, uh, but yet we do see... And, and, you know, I don't want to get political on this show, so I'm not going to go there. But I was saying that, you know, even Yahuwah has to pick the lesser of two evils. He doesn't have a choice. You know, Romans 3.10, right? You know, the, there's none righteous. No, not one. And what's it, verse 23, I think, uh, somewhere in there uh, later on in the same chapter, Paul said the, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no matter what, as long as we're here on earth, we're stuck with the lesser of two evils. Always. <laughs> you know, uh, that's in every case until Yeshua shows up himself because he's the only one that's righteous, the only one that's holy, the only one that's perfect, the only one who never sinned. You know, so we're always going to be stuck with the lesser of, of, of two evils. And, yeah. you know, when, and I was getting quite political this week, obviously, <laughs> this past week, what was going on, what has been going on. And I, and I was looking at the story of David. I'm like, okay, let's face it, folks. The dude was a, man, a, a manip, manipulative, lying, adulterous murderer. You know, he, he just was. And that's evil by in any other standard. If we weren't talking about David, everybody would go, yeah, amen, adultery is evil, murder is evil. Everybody would go, yeah, amen. All of a sudden, when we start talking about David, people are like, no, 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 you're a heretic, Rob. I'm like, what? Uh, the point I was making is Yahuwah himself had to choose the lesser of two evils, David over Saul. You know? Yeah. So we're going to have to do the same, always. And... And but the reason David was a man after Yahuwah's own heart, even with all his flaws, and this is one of the things I love about Scripture, is Scripture shows us all the warts, all the everything of the people. Like th- th- these people are not depicted as oh perfect with you know halos over their head, never doing anything wrong. We get all their flaws. We get to see, and we can identify with it. You know that. Yes, when Nathan, because David didn't repent until Nathan called him out on it and exposed him. And when Nathan called him out on him and exposed him, David was cut to the core. And and, and then he wrote some of the Psalms that, you know, many people of us, you know, many of us read, uh, you know, his, his repentance. And his desire was to walk in his way. I mean, you read Psalm 119, and that's where you see that he is a man after Yahuwah's own heart, that he loves the law and, and all of it, but he broke it. You know, there's at least four or five. You know, he coveted his neighbor's wife, so there's five <laughs> uh, laws that he broke. You know, of the Ten Commandments, just in that one case alone with uh, with Bathsheba. You know, um, and yet he, he still 
loved the Lord with all his heart, and and when he realized his sin, he repented and got back on track again. And even with his flaws, look at what Yahuwah did in and through David and, and, and choosing him to be the ancestor through which ultimately he would bring his own son, Yeshua, through a whole lot of other flawed people in between. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, that just gives me tremendous um, hope. You know, uh, w- when I think of all my flaws and the things that that I think and do that I shouldn't do or whatever, it's like I get Paul <laughs> in Romans you know, seven, the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, I do. And oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me, right? And then turn the page to Romans eight, you know, oh, wow, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, you know, thank God, thank you, Uh, first John chapter two, I'm writing these things to you guys that you don't sin. Chapter three, sin is transgression of the law. But if you do, we have an advocate, Christ Jesus. Thank you, Hua, for that. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> if, we, if we do it alone, we cannot do it. This is impossible, Rob. Actually, you know, I think I mentioned this before. This is a way, a way of righteousness. You know, the, and it would take us our entire life. And we are human. We, as, as you said, the Paul quite uh, rightly described it in the Book of Romans. We, did, we do things that we don't want to do. And the things that we want to do, we don't do it. <laughs> Yeah. So, so you know, and in the same, there's multiple stories. The same that happened with Abraham, you know, with the story of Hagar. I was discussing the, a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, the, it was the, the human mind thinking on how to accommodate things. And, you know, this is happening to all of us in, in our in day to day. That's why that's why it's so, so critical to understand what Yahushua uh, taught. It's about denying ourselves. The, the only way that the Yahuwah will live through us and to, 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 he will guide us on, on his will. We denied our own will. We denied ourselves. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is part of the, of the way of Yahuwah. It's part of our day to day. You know, we will make a lot of mistakes. We will continue making a lot of mistakes. The, the important point is that we, we need to learn from those mistakes. And we need to hold fast to the hand of uh, Yahuwah because he's the advocate. He, he, we, he, will, he will save us. He will help us on the way. You know, actually, that's so important when we talk about the uh, in, uh, an equal yoke. So, so when we when we take the yoke of um, the Mashiach and we put it in our in our neck, see he he is going to be the one helping us. But we need to walk in his uh, the same rhythm. We need to walk with him in the same direction. We need to walk with him at the same pace, with the same uh, style of walking. Because if we do something totally different and we want to go to another direction. That the yoke is gonna get uh, broken somehow. Yahusha will continue in the right direction from the Father. That's why it's so critical what is written in the book of uh, John, in, the, in one of the letters. We need to follow the step of Yahusha. We need to walk in the same way that he he's walking, because he's the one that is gonna help us when we are the uh, with with the, we are weak, when we don't have the strength to walk, because uh, we are going through so many difficulties. He's gonna be the one supporting us he's going to work uh, with us in the same way in the, in the same way we, we see in the, in the story of the crucifixion you know it was the the simon helping yahushua bearing the cross mm. you know he's a yahushua helping us to bear our cross in our day to day so that's why it's so important that uh, we, we we need to be conscious about uh, what's the experiences we, we we go through our lives 
We need to deny ourselves and understand what's the will of Yahuwah. It's part of what we see in the life of Abraham, is the, the what we see in the, the life of David. And uh, as I said in the in, in the previous insight, it's part of uh, the price we, we pay. It's the price that we pay, pay in order to be part of the kingdom. It's the price to deny our own will in order to let Yahushua live through us. And you know, is is the moment we're going to start uh, seeing amazing things happen in our lives. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through new difficulties. We just talk about that in the, in the life of Abraham. During these 100 years after the, he received the promise and he left his house, he was tried and tried in several times with very difficult uh, uh, situations. But he was cold-minded and he, he was the, the strong in heart in order to hold fast to, to Yahuwah Elohim because he all his hope was in Yahuwah. Uh, all, all, all his belief was in Yahuwah. And it's the same thing we need to we need to do. And if we failed, as you were sharing, Rob, because we we fail, it's it's, it's going to be normal. We have Yahushua helping us in order to stand up and continue on the way. Hmm. So it's an amazing walk, not an easy one. <laughs> it's hmm. full of difficulties, but we have the the stronger one, the the strong tower beside ourselves. You know, um, when I was a missionary. The, the mission statement was uh, uh, planting uh, grace-oriented churches. Like that, that was their, that, that was part of their mission statement was to plant grace-oriented churches. So uh, when I was, as their multimedia director, my job was to fly to the foreign mission field, get engaged with the missionaries, do what they do, and document it. And um, often the themes for the annual, you know, major donor event, the people who made donations to the ministry to, to make us make it possible for us to do what we did I would create the videos all year long to report back to them hey this is this is where your money went this is how many people got saved this is how many churches you know were planted this is how many orphans were you know this that and the other thing you know all of the things that were going on in the world you know this was our way of reporting back to them so I would make the videos to do that and before getting involved in that ministry my understanding of grace was like when I hear the word grace, I just, you know, for whatever, if you, you know, word association, if you said grace, what do you think of? I got a ballerina on my head, <laughs> like grace, <laughs> she's graceful, you know, like that for whatever reason that, that was sort of, you know, my word association, grace, ballerina, <laughs> you know, uh, and if you were to ask me, well, what's the definition? Well, you know, unmerited favor, right? You know, uh, getting something good you don't deserve, you know, that, that sort of thing, um, you know, all, all the, the usual definitions in Christianity we give for grace. But it didn't really fit what I was seeing, like, in, in the mission field. And when I was reading the story about Paul's thorn in the flesh one day, in a totally unrelated story to, you know, anything that I was doing at that time, I, it was part of my, where I was in my devotions, um, it, it, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, don't pay attention to the big numbers because I didn't put them there meaning the chapters. Like, the scriptures were not written in chapter and verse. They were written as complete thoughts, you know. Sometime yeah. later, people inserted chapters and verses, and in our Western mindset, we think new chapter, new thought. And so we tend to separate whatever came before it, you know, new chapter, new thought. Uh, and what he was trying to show me was that, no, they're not separate here. The chapter that precedes the thorn in the flesh chapter 
the whole chapter practically, you know, Paul's like, you want to know what I've been through? <laughs> I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I'm like, <laughs> like it's all things like all the, the trials and persecution that he went through. New chapter, pretend that's not there, throw the big number away, keep reading. And it says, you know, I prayed three times that this uh, thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, you know, would be removed. And and the answer he gets back is my grace is sufficient for you. And I'm thinking, okay, ballerina, that doesn't fit. Uh, <laughs> unmerited favor, clearly he's not getting favor here. Uh, getting something good, you, you, don't, you don't, he's not getting anything good here. <laughs> you know, he's being beaten everywhere. Uh, I'm like, you know, I, I really struggle with that. Like, what is he talking about here? And it wasn't until I, I interviewed a guy in, um, I think it was Kazakhstan. Pretty sure it was a dude in Kazakhstan. And and I, I had gone there at a time when there was quite a revival taking place there. And we were going into places where there were no known Christians anywhere in, in some of those areas. And it had been that way for a very long time, you know, because of communism and atheism and, you know, everything else kind of running rampant. Uh, um, and this guy in Kazakhstan said to me, because I started asking the question everywhere I went, I was like, you know, talking to these hardcore believers that are are operating under, you know, in some cases, severe persecution. And I'm asking them, what does grace mean to you? And most of them gave me the typical answer. But this one guy, he said, no, that's not what grace means to me. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables me to be who I'm called to be and to do what I'm called to do in spite of all this stuff that's going on, in spite wow. of all the persecution. And I, t- I carry that definition with me today. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's the most, that, that makes grace a power statement, not a ballerina yeah. statement. It's a power statement. And it applies when you read the story of Paul because the thorn of his flesh was not poor eyesight or any of the other things you typically hear commentators say. If context means anything, the context of what he's talking about is in the previous chapter. It's persecution. And when you realize that the phrase thorn in the flesh is, in fact, a Hebrew idiom used two or three times. I know it's twice. I think it's three times, though, in the Old Testament. It's an actual phrase used for persecution. You know, okay, Israel, mm-hmm. you're not gonna, you're not going to listen to me. You're not going to obey me. Then guess what's going to happen? The nations in the north are going to come and be a thorn in your flesh, a, you know, a stick in your eye, and you know whatnot. It's a it's an idiom for a, a painful annoyance. <laughs> you know, I mean, what is a, a thorn in the flesh? Right? You ever get a splinter? It's a painful annoyance. <laughs> you know, um, and and Paul is using the well-known Hebrew idiom in the context of the previous chapter that he just told us that. You know, he's begging for God to, to, like, everywhere he goes, he's getting beat up. He's like, you know, I'm really getting sick of it, man. Every time I walk into another city, somebody's either throwing a rock to me, I'm getting tied to a pole and getting whipped, or I'm getting thrown in jail and, you know, have to live with rats and dung, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of it, Lord. Uh, is there any way you could stop this? And, you know, unfortunately for Paul, <laughs> the answer was, no, you're going to continue until you get your head cut off. <laughs> you know, in some ways he's reaping what he sowed, you know, uh, <laughs> prior to his conversion. Um, but it was through his persecution that the church grew into what it is today. You know, uh, yeah. so the, the, the byproduct of the fruit of it, you know, unfortunately he had to suffer a lot for it. But, you know, we, you and I, many, many millions of others around the world that for over the last 2000 years are the, are the fruit of that persecution that, that he and, and others had to, uh, had to endure. So when you read that now, 
when he's begging, you know, for the persecution to stop, Yahuwah said, you know what, my empowering presence is going to stay with you to empower you to be who I've called you to be, Paul, and to do what I called you to do. Going all the way back to the prophecy that was given to him by, um, oh, what was the guy that uh, was sent to heal Paul when his blindness, uh, Ananias, was it? Yes, I, I think it's Ananias. I think it's Ananias, whatever. You know, when, when Paul, you know, he's on the road to Damascus, he's he's persecuting Christians, he's knocked off his horse, he's blinded, you know, and he, and then this guy, I think it was, I think it's Ananias. Uh, yes, Ananias. Is it? Yeah. It, he, he, look at what, what he was told to tell Paul. <laughs> like, you know what, you're going to be my servant and you're going to suffer greatly for, for it, but, you know, I'm, I've called you to do something here. You know, uh, so he's living that out. And so for me, whenever the troubles come, that's my prayer. It's like, Father, you know, I don't like this, <laughs> you know, but, but give me your empowering presence that will enable to me to be the person you've called me to be and to do what you call me to do in spite of what's happening right now. Like, I don't like this. I don't get this, but I need your grace with that definition in mind. So, you know, uh, I know this is difficult times for a lot of people right now uh, around the world. And I, you know, hopefully, you know, that's a blessing to some of you guys to, to take that definition of grace to heart. Um, because that definition was given to me by people who are dealing with some pretty rough things, uh, in, in the countries that they live in right now. Yeah, actually, one one thing uh, I was feeling, I think, is important to mention, Rob. The I think all of us we are enjoying uh, really much. All of us we are the, joining every Shabbat to the, the spiritual house. I think uh, this is a tremendous time in order to to share the the word of Yahuwah, the wisdom of the word of Yahuwah, to be sharing in the chat with the one one each other. Uh, I think we need to enjoy this time. But also we need to think that um, in in any moment, we don't know when, most probably these platforms are not going to be available. Maybe we are going to be under huge persecution. Maybe we are going to be by ourselves on this way. And that's why it's so important that in this moment, this very moment, we started to strengthen our faith exactly in the same way that you were describing the rough because uh, you know when persecution starts and there is a multiple passages written and in the in the same words of yahushua that when persecution starts is when our faith is being tested and we need to strengthen our faith now because we don't know when that's going to happen and uh, you know sometimes uh, we we humans we are so emotional that uh, we need the, 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 this close interaction with the like-minded people. It is something that uh, is being filled here in, in our heart, the need, and it's because we are part of the same body. But it's important that uh, all of us, in the same way that you described it, Rob, we need to understand grace in that way. And, and you know, looking in the same, in the different angle, is a way to put in practice the denying ourselves. Because if we put and rely 100% in our lives in, the, in Yahushua, he is going to help us, you know, even the, during the strong persecution. He is going to 
empower us in order to keep going, keep going until we inherit the promise. So, so I don't know. I felt uh, I felt the need to mention this. Uh, you know, when you were speaking, Rob, I don't know what I felt, uh, why I felt this, but it's important because uh, you know, let's enjoy the time that we are having this in this virtual house. Mm-hmm. Let's enjoy the time that we have a fellowship, virtual fellowship. If you have the time to to have a, a physical fellowship with others, enjoy that time. But is this is the moment to start preparing ourselves and to strengthen our faith. And to hold fast to the hand, to the right hand, the, the mighty right hand of Yahuwah, this is Yahushua HaMashiach, mm-hmm. in order to have the, the strength for what's, uh, what's coming. We don't know when it's coming, but we, we know that uh, when it's coming, He is going to be beside us, because He promised that He is going to be with us until the end of the world. So, so just say, uh, you know, I felt it to share it, Rob, I think uh, it's, it's a good message. To, to be connected and uh, having this uh, relationship, close relationship with Yahuwah, through Yahushua. Yeah, amen to that. Um, that's a good note to end on. Uh, we've gone a bit over here, but that's all right. Um, wanted to <laughs> remind people uh, about the uh, Virtual House Church over on the Discord server. Uh, post a link in the chat room for you guys there. Uh, certainly a lot going on over there. hope you guys are enjoying that service. Um general conversation you know there's different uh, channels for you to get involved in general conversation hebrew learning cosmology prayer closet you know if you if you have a need or, or a concern um that's what the body's for you know um there are people that are going through some difficult times right now and you know if we can help let's try to do so if we if it's within our means to help the body that's what the church is for so you know if you're going through some stuff guys you know uh, don't be afraid to post it in there and, you know, everybody else, if we're able to come together and we have the means to do something about it, you know, let, let's come together and help our brothers and sisters. I did see in uh, the comments of one of the, um, I think it was the 2017 broadcast that I uploaded that, that somebody out there was had lost their job or their business or something due to the COVID lockdowns and everything. And they're really struggling and, and they were looking for help. So it, it's in the, I'm pretty sure it's, the com- it's in the YouTube comments for the 2017 broadcast. So you know, if anybody's out there that's able to do something, uh, you know, let, let's help our brothers and sisters as best we can through all this. And, um, you know, uh, for the rest, you know, we, we trust Yahuwah and we ask for his grace to empower us to uh, get through the days ahead. But, um, hey, Juan, as always, another fantastic day. Thank you so much for, for joining me uh, for and, and for your uh, valuable insights on these scriptures. Thank you, Rafi. It's a blessing for me to be here. You know, it's a, a blessing to share with you and with all the people that is uh, watching now online with us and also watching later the, the video. So so let's see. Let's see each other next uh, next Shabbat. Yeah. Until next week. All right. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Have a great weekend. Shabbat Shalom.